0: Welcome to the first episode of The Biatch Show, brought to you by the staff of Biatch Magazine, the magazine of cultural deprogramming. Thank you for tuning in. We started this show to bring you the information you need to fill the holes the feudal industrialist lords left deliberately in your education. This first episode comes from the Biatch Magazine column, First Things, written and narrated by Griffin Peters. This episode is called First Things First, The Big Three. First things must come first. This means that the first thing you need to understand in your journey to wisdom is that your enemies are in a constant state of psychological war with you, and use many types and kinds of deception to attempt to hide all the most important wisdom from you, factual, spiritual, and otherwise. There are many different kinds of lies and many different levels of lies used in propaganda, but they all have one thing in common. They all seek to manipulate you into following pre behavior channels created for you by our feudal industrialist aristocrat owners. The worst of these lies are the biggest of these lies, as well as the most dangerous, the lies that I like to call the big three. These are the lie of royal or aristocratic blood, the lie of religion and gods not only existing but caring about you, and the lie of economics, which is robbery by necessity by any other name. The worst of the big three is the first one, by which the other two are created and by which the other two are propped up, as well as assist in propping up, and that is the lie of royal blood. Royal blood is nothing more than inbreeding with a fancy name. And the interesting thing about this inbreeding problem is that it almost certainly caused first an increase in human intelligence, actually probably a fairly sizable leap, and then increasingly lower gains over time. The reason for this is that the same as what we see in several dog breeds. Inbreeding can successfully create or enlarge or enhance certain traits, but only to a certain point. After that, it becomes harmful due directly to lack of being able to control specific gene group expressions on a molecular level. But this isn't a discussion on inbreeding. This is a discussion on the harmful effects of inbreeding on the human psyche and human civilization. And a discussion on how inbreeding keeps things like money and property in the family and therein lies the major problem regarding this issue, which fundamentally revolves around how a powerful man with a short life maintains all the gains he's worked so hard over his lifetime to achieve. He does this through his family. The foul and evil twins' religion and aristocracy evolved hand-in-hand through human evolutionary time. One grew up supporting the other, two thorny psychopathic vines twisting up and around human civilization, spearing it through its heart with their psychopathic thorns. Why? Because all human civilization is at heart is a petty tribal alliance writ large. And what makes up a petty tribal alliance? The joining of forces of the families and clans wishing to lead the tribe and or nation. So why the duality? Well, my guess is that early humanity struggled with numbers and struggled with the desire for certainty in a highly uncertain world. For black and white, on and off solutions that simplified having far too much brain power as a poorly adapted animal with no learning, no knowledge, and no technology. So the leaders of the tribe who seem to have always been some kind of dual chieftainship held by one leader who is a political leader in times of peace and a war leader in times of war, and are on the other hand a religious leader. And this seems to have been common for nearly every early human tribe. These leaders decided to keep it simple limiting things to two choices for the peasants, on or off, black or up, white, red or blue. And this has been so successful a leadership strategy that has infiltrated all of human civilization so deeply that it is now arguably an artificial selection lever used by the aristocracy and the priesthood to deliberately evolve humanity, long before either they or the rest of the humanity even had conscious conception of this process or how it worked. And it's brilliantly evil when you carefully consider what has been done here for thousands of years to control individuals, groups, and entire civilizations and continents. Even the direction of history and evolution itself has been molded by these twin hydra-like vines. But lies whispered in ears for thousands of years are still lies, no matter how much power or strength they manage to build up into a giant steamroll attempting to flatten everything that dare resist it. And this is how these twins have built up their cudgel, the lie of economics. Because at the same time these twin thorny vines were growing, the desire to please women with shiny objects had turned into first a local, then regional, and soon global trade. And the ultimate control over that trade is what spawned the third hydra, the brainwashed lie of modern economic theory. In some ways, this third lie is the worst of them all, because it has the most power because of the way it, an abstract system, has been made to have real-world effects based directly on a need for practical, real-time solutions to logistics problems without losing control of the resources needed to solve said logistics problems. And this gives the aristocracy so much of the necessary power they require to run the show— Because the one constant of our species is the logistical needs we have for things such as clean air, clean water, living space, food, and power. But crucially though, all these logistics problems were solved in the 20th century, and the only thing lacking is the political will to apply these solutions. And it is lacking for what should be obvious reasons. But the thing you need to know about this is that you actually live in a civilization that revolves entirely around false scarcity depends on it actually, and actively requires false scarcity to function, using it as a method of social control. It's quite brilliantly evil if you carefully consider what's been done. All of the methods of production have been artificially harnessed by this system in order to control the amount and quality of goods and foodstuffs produced. This is why Marx was so very obsessed with the means of production, because he understood what most people don't, that to control people doesn't require violence or even propaganda, The best way to control people is to control their access to the goods and materials they need to survive their daily life. And as a nice bonus, to control the luxury goods that aren't essential, but that do make life so much sweeter, which sweeten the pot for useful idiots. However, this is merely an introduction, so we won't go into great detail on false scarcity here. It's a subject for another uh, episode. Other than to say that global manufacturing capacity outstripped global demand over a century ago. What this means is that everything you ever bought could have been had for fractions of pennies of what you actually paid, because it has been deliberately marked up over tens of thousands of percent or more. Now, carefully note that this is the second greatest cover-up in all of human history, involving literally millions of useful idiots paid just like priests are to lie directly to your faith. So proving this takes a great deal of effort, and it takes years of patience in training out the trail of ownership and money as it flows around the globe. I myself actually spent about four years doing exactly this, tracing the flow of money back directly to one city and the flow of ownership to directly to a handful of banks. But as I said, this is a subject for a future episode. But here's a simple thought experiment for you to try to reason out how this works. If you have thousands or more of factories all over the world that each have the capacity to produce thousands or even millions of units of any game, given trade item per day, or in some cases, m- per hour, eventually you will quickly reach total market saturation, unless you use artificial means to limit this market saturation. As an example of this, they even tell us that they invented the concept of teenagers to quote, absorb excess industrial production. One can see an example of this market saturation with new cars. Around many seaports, parking lots are being built and filled with new cars. You can see this on Google Earth, assuming they haven't yet censored it. This is because the large vehicle manufacturers have contracts with the unionized employees to produce so many new cars per month, regardless of need and regardless of ability to sell them. And because of the artificially inflated wages that they must pay their union employees that they themselves drove up through inflation, this drives the price of new vehicles deliberately to an unsustainable level that most peasants can't afford, keeping the poor poor. This is why depreciation in vehicles is one of the worst depreciations of any consumer or industrial good. Because these vehicles have to be marked up so much, and because the feudal industrial lords are so greedy, they refuse to pay their workers a fair and living wage, meaning most peasants can't afford to buy these new cars. But the feudal industrialist owners cannot cut back on the production of these new cars because they have contractual agreements with the unions to provide work. Think of recent South Park episodes and the rednecks crying out, They Car gerbs! Consequently, far more cars are being built than could ever be sold or used, and consequently, these parking lots are filling up with new cars that sit there until the weather ruins them enough that the big automakers can then cash in on an insurance payment. Then these brand new cars, never having been driven except for off the ship or off the truck that delivered them and into the parking lot, are then sent to the wrecker. As another example of this, I would imagine that the recent trendy push for return to 80s style was a direct result of warehouses sitting full since the eighties of eighties consumer goods that went out of style and the the feudal lords that own them are trying to get rid of them by pushing back an old-fashioned back on the peasants for the sole purpose of emptying these warehouses anyways this has been the big three as part of the Biatch magazine column first things as hosted and written by Griffin Peters. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you and hope you will tune in for future episodes, filling in the holes in your education that the feudal lords deliberately left.